Hello, and welcome to We Forgive You, the show where we formally forgive your favorite's worst films. I'm Alex Fernandez, a writer at Places. I'm Sarah Sorrentino, associate editor at Talk Film Society. So, uh, we got quite an exciting uh, movie to watch today, Sarah. <laughs> do, you, do you really feel that way? I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting. How long is this movie? That's my real question. Like, actual length, because it feels feels like it's gone on forever. So so you gave me a, an all-lowercase lull when I made a joke about this movie being five hours to you a couple days ago. This movie yeah. is practically three hours long, and it feels way longer. So. What, 2.45? We're talking uh, it's 2.45? Two, it's 2.44, actually. I know, because I couldn't stop looking at the time code the whole time I was watching the film. I remember going to see um, Return of the King. And I remember seeing the time for it. And I think that's the longest film I ever saw in theaters. The first longest film I ever saw in theaters. And I, I think my, my sister and my grandmother went to go see, like, a kid's movie. Maybe Elf. I don't know. And <laughs> they got out and, like, had dinner and everything. And when we finally got out, they're like, yeah, that was forever. And I was like, but it's Lord of the Rings, Grandma. <laughs> this doesn't feel like that. <laughs> But it's Lord of the Rings Grandma is probably Grandma, one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard. You don't understand. The elves. Grandma, you don't understand about those little men and their dirty feet. And they're just going on little adventures, running around, eating that bread in the leaf. <laughs> the Lomba bread? Yeah, it's got a little bread in the leaf. And you're like, oh, man, I could really go for some bread right now. I've been in this theater for two hours. What Fuck. is that supposed to be like? Is that supposed to be like a crouton with a leaf around it? It seems like it, right? I mean, they, they, they describe how much they hate having to eat nothing but it, but god damn, that just looked like some good bread in a leaf. I always thought it tasted like Melba bread. You ever have Melba bread? No, I've had Melba bread. What is it? Does What's Melba bread even exist, or am I just coming up with something? I don't know. It might be like a fun fantasy thing you've created <laughs> in your own world. It, but, it, but it looks it like toast, good. but it's like dry and a little bit sweet. There, are, I know some people who could tell us exactly what this bread is supposed to taste like. Yeah. Melba let's, toast. Let's bring those. Oh, yeah, Melba toast. Fuck yeah. I love that shit. Are I'm you kidding me? I'm not fucking crazy. That's real. Yeah. Oh, my God. Melba toast is so fucking great. <laughs> With some marmalade. Some orange marmalade. You get to some places, you get to some places, and you got a charcuterie oh, with some yeah. Ritz crackers, and you're like, you know, yeah. whatever, I'll fuck with it. But but when you arrive to a place that has Melba toasts on their charcuterie plate, oh my god. <laughs> That's next level. Next level charcuterie. I think I've reached the point in my life where I think and care too much about charcuterie boards. You're not even old enough to be like, oh no, I've hit the charcuterie board portion of my life i am i'm gonna be 28 soon that's all i care about i just want like a nice wooden board that i could put cheese on and like it's it's a powerful object the charcuterie board because it is literally a statement of intent saying oh yeah we're gonna have some cheese and some salami and some bread and it's not really a meal it's not really good for you but the board is on the table we are gonna have the cheese and the bread but anyway, that's not what we're here for, is it? Wait, I also want to talk about a game I've been playing. Oh, what's that? I love game time. You love video games? You like the games? I like the games. Would you call yourself a, a gamer? Absolutely not. I've been playing Stardew Valley for about three and a half weeks now. Hell yeah. Have you been playing multiplayer? No, I have not been playing multiplayer. Because um, I don't have that Switch Online. 
I think that's how you're supposed to do it. I don't. E- I haven't even tried. Damn it, Sarah! It's twenty dollars. Get it, and we could play the game online. Can I build you like a little house, and you can like show up on my farm and hang out? Absolutely. That's all I want. That's so dope. Okay, listen. This game is controlling my life. I played Harvest Moon a little bit as a child, not as much as my sister. It's a really good game. This is better. It's like if someone took the Harvest Moon shit and like made it less weird, but also made it kind of weird and a little bit more modern. I like it a lot. I like that I can uh, boyfriend and girlfriend anybody. Aren't they all so cute? Everybody's cute. That's really been my life since like Christmas because I bought it for myself for Christmas and then I uh, haven't stopped playing since like even during my lunch breaks I was playing. Uh, based on your recommendation, I did get myself a nice little Christmas present, too. I got, a, I got the Pokemon oh game. Oh my god! Which one? I got Eevee. Yeah, you did. I got Eevee. I love it. Are you not a little weirded out by the noises Eevee makes in that game? The game's rated E for everyone. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I don't come into the game with the dirty, perverted mind of Sarah Sorrentino, who automatically assumes the worst of my good friend Eevee. Yeah, but, come on. That's inappropriate. Listen. They just had to have him say Eevee. They didn't really need to make it all like that. <laughs> Did you buy the Pokeball? No, fuck that. That's money. That's true. That's, That's money. Funny. For for a weird ball thing that I can use as a controller that looks uncomfortable. And I don't really need it. I don't need to walk around with another thing, you know? Yeah. Are you ashamed, do you think? Would you be ashamed to wear it in public? Do you think it's like the next Naruto headband? I don't think it's that level. Because it is expensive, and local comic shops were selling Naruto headbands on the cheap. Yeah. Which, if anything, might be more damning that you did spend $50 of, of the U.S. currency on the, the Pokeball to carry around your little friend in there and walk around. Honestly, since I saw first trailer, I was like, I'm just going to buy the whole set. Yeah, that's fair. That's good. I don't buy many video games throughout the rest of the year, either, if it helps. I mean, that's that was my big purchase. I haven't bought a game system in ages. Let's just get into it. Let's just talk about The Dark Knight Rises. This is my least favorite Nolan film. And earlier today on Twitter, I said I hated it. Mm-hmm. Before I started to watch it again. I think I'm a little harsh on this movie. But I, at the same time, this podcast is not about just watching bad movies and talking about how bad they are. This is about watching the lowest point for a director, the lowest point for a franchise. So, that being said, I believe this is the weakest Nolan film, and I believe this is the weakest Batman film in that franchise, which is the Nolan Batman films. I think that's something most people will agree with. Yeah, I think undoubtedly this is definitely Nolan's worst Batman film. And I was prepared to say more damning things about Interstellar than I was The Dark Knight Rises, but... (laughs) Upon revisiting this film, I do agree this is this is probably my least favorite of the Nolan films. Whereas I feel like Interstellar was a movie that was probably just like a, a bit of a mismatch between uh, the material and its director. I think Dark Knight Rises is very much a Nolan product through and mm-hmm. through, and I think it yeah. epitomizes a lot of uh, Nolan's worst tendencies. It just lost itself. I don't 100% believe it's Nolan to blame. I mean, Heath Ledger passed away. It's been said multiple times that it, Joker was supposed to continue to be the main villain of this franchise. Mm-hmm. So that already derailed any ideas that they had had going through, you know, and then they had to come up with something else. And that come up with something else still had to be something that resolved the overall like story 
from the beginning because he wanted it to just be a trilogy. And that's really what's to blame here is that they really went for this whole Talia al Ghul Bane story, which I think could have worked. Jesse Knight replied to me on Twitter after I said that I hate this movie and said that the only problem with this movie is it should be longer. I kind mm. of agree with that, but only because I understand what he's trying to say is that things aren't fleshed out. A lot a lot of these little tidbits that like wrap up at the end aren't really fleshed out and it seems really quick and out of nowhere, especially Talia al Ghul for the most part. This movie had me thinking a lot about Spider-Man 3 and the way that that movie was able to juggle its plot lines. And whereas we came out of Spider-Man 3 feeling like the movie failed to flesh out any one of its plot lines to where it needed to be in order for us to be fully engaged and for that movie to be a success, I think The Dark Knight Rises probably fleshes enough of these plot lines out enough, in my opinion. Just not some of the more central ones. I could not be bothered to care even in the slightest bit about Bane and Talia al Ghul. By the time that reveal happens, I'm so uninterested in those characters that it means nothing to me. And to be honest, I, I don't think the film does enough to make you care about that in general. I think the League of Shadows stuff is kind of really falls flat here. And I mm-hmm. think, and I don't think that Nolan himself expresses enough interest in these things. Um, I think the stuff that he's interested in uh, comes down more to Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, Commissioner Gordon, and and even Catwoman gets more of an interesting arc than the movie's central antagonist. As I was watching, I I really do like how we're seeing a lot of... We don't see too much Batman. We see a lot of everything from the viewpoint of Commissioner Gordon, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character, and like the police in general. I don't dislike that. I actually think it's really cool. I like the theme of terrorism and how massive the scale of the terrorism is for the whole city. Um, I don't like Selena Kyle. I don't understand why she's in this. Like, they didn't need her, to be honest. They just threw in another character and it got messy. So, when I first saw Dark Knight Rises, I felt the exact same way. I did Mm -hmm. not understand why the hell we were bothering with having Catwoman in the movie. Here's the thing. I came out of this viewing feeling like this could have been filmed entirely through Catwoman's perspective. I came out of it thinking like, God, this is, this is such a valued perspective. And in a world where Batman has retired, Bruce Wayne has disappeared and and society's on the verge of collapse. And if you're going to tell a story about, you know, the rich one percenters uh, in Gotham, then maybe Catwoman is a good perspective by which to tell that story. And I wish the movie might have done more to service that. Mm. I agree with that. That's one of my bigger takeaways from this movie is that it tries to be like this Charles Dickens Tale of Two Cities inspired parable. And it tries to recreate that novel's like epic scope of having all these different players and all these different characters but ultimately this is a movie and as a movie having this many characters and so much to juggle just ends up kind of crippling it and making it feel like a flat and truly dreary experience to watch yeah i think i agree with you actually that if it was more focused on selena kyle and what she was seeing 
while there was the retirement and the resurgence, then he disappears again and Bane shows up. That would make more sense to me. But overall, this whole franchise has always had... I, I'm going to just say it. I think the the women, the female characters in these movies have always been really weak. Absolutely. It's a Christopher Nolan film, after all. Yeah, and so much so that they could just replace the main character, the main female character. Change it for somebody else. I mean, that's not entirely, again, their fault. I think I think Katie Holmes didn't want to be part of the project anymore when it came to the second film. I, don't, I didn't look into it. But I just, in general, the characters are written not very well. And they're given nothing. Talia al Ghul is supposed to be like this main fucking badass. She's trained by the League of Shadows, but she does nothing except for stab him one time. And then she just mm-hmm. dies so pathetically. How bad was that death? It's so weak. She's like, eh, eh. It, it, it is very, it's the most cartoonish thing to happen in this comic book <laughs> movie. Is her just suddenly, Ugh, and then closing her eyes and just dying like that. It was the worst. That, I think that's my main issue, though, is that I remember watching Batman Begins and The Dark Knight and being like, wow, this is so gritty and realistic. And The Dark Knight personally made me feel like very depressed after seeing it. I think I may have said this before on another podcast or something, but it caused me to have a very strong emotional experience. And I was very uncomfortable with that movie, but I still think it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And then this was cartoonish and comic bookish. It lost its tone. It didn't feel like the last film at all to me. It looked very similar, but I didn't feel the tone was wrong. Really? That's interesting. So I, I wouldn't describe this as like a failure of capturing tone. I think it's a failure of scale. I just think this thing got too big and inevitably it got sillier as the scale grew for all it's worth. Like Batman Begins and The Dark Knight keep their scale right where they need to be in order to keep things believable in certain aspects. Mm-hmm. And I think... A lot of that comes through in the confidence of Nolan's direction, but I do feel like those movies are more believable in this one. And it's not that the, the style has changed. The cinematography is much the same. Yeah, that's what I meant too, yeah. And every everything carries itself the same way, but the things that are happening get so much bigger and so much more ridiculous. And the frame of reference which Nolan uses for this film doesn't mesh with the material that he was working with for his previous two films. I think it feels false. Like... The last film had these crazy themes. I mean, Joker was talking in, like in, an insane person, but it was it somehow resonated a little bit. Like he's the first Joker was right. Like you know what I mean? Like it could have. He was one of the first villains that had a point. It wasn't a great point. You know, he's a villain, but he had a point. Bane yeah. tries to do that, and I I know why it ends up being false because he's not the one behind it. But it's so false that. I feel like Nolan was trying to recapture what he did in The Dark Knight and then ended it with a with a gag, with a like, oh, he shot away. Oh, Talia al Ghul just got killed in a car accident. Oh, he just flew into the sunset with a bomb. It no longer felt as deep and like soul wrenching <laughs> as the last film had. Yeah. And that's why I was so upset. Like it, it was so high and lauded and then it just really fell flat. And I was so disappointed because I don't hate Bane as a character. I kind of like that weird voice. Really? I think he's interesting. Oh, you know how I am. I always like when villains go a little bit too weird. I don't <laughs> think this is weird at all. I think I think Bane is so basic and uninteresting. 
I think I the thought weir- he was interesting up until the point where he starts to get his ass kicked. And I'm like, wow, this guy's boring as hell. I thought maybe Talia al Ghul would replace that interestingness with this, like, cool story of how she was that baby in, you know, the Lazarus pit. But she's not even a badass either. And it just falls apart. That's the thing, too. Like, again, I feel like this is a whole bunch of Nolan indulgences, like, stacked upon each other until a- it reaches a breaking point. Whereas the movie feels like it needs to have this prestige, this this big twist at the end, where it really comes to the benefit of no one. This actually deafens the movie in such a big way. It sucks all the life out of it, that reveal of Talia al Ghul. It makes for a bad Talia, and it makes for a bad Bane. And, and I'm not talking about, like, oh, it fails to live up to the comic characters. Like, it just fails to be compelling characters. Neither of them are really compelling because... They both have to live in the confines of this plot, and they all have to basically give in to this plot twist, you know? No matter what, though, a lot of the terrorism plots and the fact that, like, his men are, like, willing to die so easily and stuff makes me deeply uncomfortable, and that works effectively for the movie, so I kind of like that. But here's the thing with that. I, I, I guess my problem with that is that, like, Bane rallies all these men, and they manage to all give their lives for him and for his cause, but we don't get a really thorough sense of his ideology because he takes the back seat so often. He claims to be liberating the city of Gotham, giving it back to its people, and, and spurning this revolution, while at the same time, it's all an actual plot to destroy Gotham for the League of Shadows. So there's so much clashing here for me between be, between between like what's been set already in this Dark Knight trilogy between the need for Hollywood blockbusters to go bigger and bigger and also the inspiration that Christopher and Jonathan Nolan had to insert a tale of two cities into their Dark Knight trilogy caper and a lot of it is individually can be compelling. I think it's really interesting to see a Gotham that's been just taken over by its villain, but it clashes against what's come before it. And the French Revolution stuff that they tried to throw onto this, and this whole tale of two cities, throw in a whole bunch of characters in and have them all evoke, you know, the condition of society and, and the the ills of setting the, the the structure against the revolutionaries like that's interesting but it it's not a good framework for a movie yeah but also like there's no resolution either like they give you all this the one percent have to learn their lesson bullshit but then they don't resolve it like they're just like okay and then batman mm-hmm. goes off and lives his life exactly like, okay but what happened over there i guess the orphans got a house. That's cool. But what about the rest of the goddamn yep. city? Like, how many people died? And who's being held accountable for this? It's so weird because the whole franchise is so against focusing that much on Bruce Wayne and Batman and has always focused so much on the villains. But then at the very end, all we do is focus on on the state of Batman with no real resolution for the rest of the characters. I guess Selena Kyle is rich now I, and hanging out with them. I guess. She's just bay now. <sighs> This is rough, you know? Why are there no women fighting? Are there no female police officers in all of Gotham? There was one. I remember there was one that, that looked over and was like, hey, come on. Like, I, I think I think that was her line of dialogue, exactly. I have no <laughs> idea. There was one female officer. I'm mostly thinking about the big battle when they're clashing against yeah. each other. And can I just say, like, I get what you're doing, 
Christopher Nolan, I get that you're trying to, you know, recall images of, like, the mobs in Charles Dickens' novels when you try to do these big battles, but this just looks bad. Whenever I see Batman punching somebody in this movie, I think this looks like dog shit. This is not a compelling fight. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. I was... I thought maybe I was losing it, but yeah, a lot of the a lot of the fighting choreography was shit in this movie. Looks awful. Batman doesn't do anything clever in this movie. Right? He's just a brute and not even a good brute. Like for some reason he's stronger all of a sudden. I understand he got out of the Lazarus pit or whatever. I guess he's stronger than Bane now, but it's not I absolutely agree. Yeah. It's not exciting. I don't know. It reminds me of um early like Marvel films, like right before uh, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier is when, like, Captain America finally has some, like, oomph behind his hits. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, this is very, like, they don't know what to do with the choreography. They're just gonna fight here. You guys do whatever. There's no thoughtfulness to the approach. It's so blunt, and I agree with you. Like, he's just doing the same thing that he did before, and there's no difference in the approach. It doesn't feel like... Bruce Wayne learned anything. Even though there's a lot of lip service in the Lazarus Pit to him needing to change and him needing to learn to fear death and and value his own life, it doesn't really reflect on his actions or in what he's saying. He literally just repeats Bane's line to him, and it's supposed to be like a sick burn moment, but it just, it, it feels flat. Did his voice sound even more, like, uncomfortable in this movie than the other two? I don't know, but it's absolutely unnecessary because literally everybody fucking knows that's bruce wayne there every goddamn person knows it's bruce wayne except for commissioner gordon (laughs) and and here's the other thing too is that the movie is also the end of a trilogy somewhere in the editing process some people were like god are they gonna remember all this shit that came before and so they continually cut back to the previous movies it's really condescending that like they would think that we wouldn't know these things and it sucks the drama out of mostly Commissioner Gordon's scenes, because it happens mostly during him, both in the beginning and the end. Mm-hmm. And what is probably my favorite moment in this movie is when Batman reveals who he is to Commissioner Gordon, gets ruined by the fact that it needs to be so blunt about it, literally cutting back to like the scene of Bruce Wayne as a child and Commissioner Gordon like comforting him. I think that the callback to say that like his actual line, I think that line was good. I like. I think that, that was line. really that was good. Yes, but you're 100 percent right. God damn these cutbacks, and it was so glaring. I was like, why are we doing this? Christopher Nolan is such a smart director. Why would he do that? What's the fucking point? But it it's just like they fell into every trope they could in this movie, and I just am so annoyed by it because I thought Nolan was better than that, and I thought he thought we were better than that too, and we didn't need that shit. Yeah. It kind of betrays what the audience has, or at least what we have come to expect and what we felt was sort of validated when we saw The Dark Knight, you know, that we had, we had elevated beyond this, you know, that we as yeah. an audience could be expected more uh, when coming into a superhero movie. I think when I tell people I hate this movie, they immediately assume it's because of Bane. And I always have to be like, no, I don't hate Bane. I wasn't weirded out by it. I just, I thought he was very strong. I think Tom Hardy did something interesting. Or they think that I'm annoyed that Batman had a happy ending. I'm not. It's the fact that they just pulled something out of the TV show where he just flies off. It was such an easy fucking resolution. It was so easy. And here's the thing. It absolutely betrays everything that the movie's setting up. Exactly. It was just like, it was all a dream. It's one of those bullshit things where it's like, 
all of this and you could have flown away with the bomb ages ago? You dumb fucks. Why didn't you just fly away with it earlier? Yep. It's not even a plot. It's not even a plot hole. It is a plot hole, but I'm not upset because it's a plot hole. I'm upset because it was easy and weak. I don't care if he died or didn't die. I don't care about that, Batman. I am upset that it was such an easy resolution to what seemed like such a grandiose human condition plot that it was supposed to have this more complicated ending and instead he just flies away with it and explodes and the autopilot was fixed great yep you mentioned it eight times in the fucking movie nolan i get it god it's not a great movie i don't want to be told otherwise there's so many people that deserve better and and that that's something that keeps coming up with this show is that there are so many people talented performers and uh craftsmen working on these films that deserve better but in this one it's especially tragic because I feel like who wouldn't have expected more? I feel like Anne Hathaway deserved way better than this shit. Anne Hathaway does, did not need to be almost casted as Black Cat in the Spider-Man franchise and then casted as Selena Kyle in the Batman franchise just to have this shitty of a role. I want an Anne Hathaway Catwoman movie now and I know that'll never fucking happen and I'm so bummed about it. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt deserved better, man. He has probably one of the most relatable and compelling arcs in the movie, but it also seems to go against a lot of the other plots in the movie, where he he becomes completely disinterested in the role of a police officer in Gotham City. And this happens in tandem with the police having their uprising and taking back the city. Which is framed as a victorious moment. And he's just, like, disillusioned afterwards. And there's, I mean, it's supposed to be because he's gonna be Robin or whatever, but... Yeah, but that's not good movie. Like, the movie's bending itself over backwards trying to make these different pieces fit. And they just don't fit together. Did he just, like, throw himself into the waterfall? That was a weird shot, right? I liked it. He threw himself into the abyss. He, he was repelling. He's just like, I'm just gonna fucking throw myself in this waterfall and see what happens. If you had lived through The Dark Knight Rises, you would have thrown <laughs> yourself into the abyss, too. Nothing's worth living. The orphans have a house now, so I'm just gonna throw myself in a fucking waterfall and see what happens. Yep, that's done. A man came into the football stadium with his weird voice, and he told me about a bomb. Hey, can we talk about how fucking... This movie rehashes the exact same bomb detonation falling in the hands of a regular civilian plot. It's Dark Knight, and then thinks it's clever when it just swaps it over to saying, No, I did not give the trigger to anybody. I gave it to Talia al Ghul. This movie feels like somebody applying numerous layers of paint over old shitty (laughs) wallpaper. None of it meshes together. It's uneven. It's fighting itself constantly. Yeah. And it's a shame because so many individual elements are good. Yeah, there's no, and I do want to end it with that, is the fact that there is a lot of elements in here that are good and interesting. But like I said, certain things mark it uh, in my mind, especially in my memory, as being like, oh, this is not the best. Mm-hmm. There's been worse Batman films. I mean, Nolan, I we could even say like there's competitors for worse Nolan films. I really like Christopher Nolan. I really like the Batman Nolan franchise. I'm a known DC hater, and I love Batman Begins in the Dark Knight. This just left such a bad taste in my mouth, and nothing's gone very well for DC since. This is a shame. I, too, really enjoy Batman Begins and the Dark Knight. I think those are both very unique and captivating movies, and I think the best we're going to get in terms of uh, this approach to Batman, even if I was eager for the tone to change by the time The Dark Knight Rises did come around, I was still hopeful that this could be something special. While I appreciate 
the fact that they tried adding on more and more to make this a compelling finale, it does fail. And maybe it's an interesting failure, but it doesn't feel that way when you're watching it. Because ultimately, everything just glazes and bounces off your eyes when you watch this film. This is not a pleasant thing to watch. And I've had more fun reading about it and talking about it with you than I have had Yeah, it was really hard to rewatch. It was not easy to rewatch. But, you know what? It ain't all bad now. We got a Lego Batman movie. Lego Batman's pretty good, guys. Lego Batman's like like the second best Batman movie, <laughs> right after Mask of the Phantasm. So, you know. That was very good. You know, they, they should just do a Lego Superman movie. I think that's the only way to fix Superman for me. Or just make a good movie. Yeah, I don't think it's, it's possible. But they did it before. I don't think it's really actually possible to make a good Superman movie. I don't know. We'll see how Shazam does. I feel the same way about Aquaman. Aquaman's about to hit one billion. Haven't watched it, but... Oh, man, Aquaman was so much fucking fun. Do you think I would like it, though, knowing how shitty I am about DC shit? I think you might have some fun with it. I might have some fun. I, I want to watch fun. Venom soon, too. And I'm- Aquaman's way better than Venom. If there's one that merits watching, it's probably Aquaman. Aquaman is kind of like 2018's Tron Legacy. Oh! In that, wow, you look at it and you're like, wow, no movie should be allowed to be this creatively uh, aud- audacious and beautiful looking. Bodacious. But <laughs> it all hinges upon a like really lame, flat, bro-y protagonist, and some of the plotting is awkward, and it has too much backfill in terms of just like really lame plot exposition. But it's fun and it's so visually exuberant that you can't help but to kind of love it anyway at least that's how i felt about this movie and tron legacy so do you think that matt reeves batman movie is ever gonna happen absolutely the not. batman no remember how people still think that movie's gonna happen <laughs> remember how people still think that ben affleck's in these movies they still think ben affleck is batman it's so funny to me it's my favorite thing to laugh about oh uh, between that and uh all last week barry jenkins was brought up for wanting to do a sci-fi film and everybody in the comments all of these like russian dc bots whatever they are were like barry <laughs> barry to cyborg why come on can you imagine wanting to get some of our most like creative and truly like one-of-a-kind filmmakers of our time and just immediately plug him onto something like cyborg I think it's Nolan's fault. I think Nolan was like a a real director <laughs> and he was like one of the first like real real directors and he got thrown in. He was excited to like do like an artistic take on Batman. And I don't think it was a bad idea, but now they think that anybody who is like a prestige director should now go and direct a superhero film. Can you imagine? Just imagine that IMDb page with me. Just astral project that IMDb page for Barry Jenkins that goes from Moonlight, If Beale Street Could Talk, Cyborg. (laughs) I mean, I understand some of it because at the same time, I love Taika Waititi. And when he does films... They are very, you know, they're artsy and heartfelt, but they're smaller films. And when he got brought on for Thor Ragnarok, I was extremely excited because I was excited for that tone. But I could see how people would be like, why would you want a director who makes, like, 
gems like that to go and make a superhero film. I guess so, but I, I... It's hard. I see both sides, but at the same time, no, we do not need Jordan Peele or Barry Dickens to make a superhero film. Leave them alone. If they want to do it, they can do it, but we don't have to, like, have Twitter pressure on every reply. It's stupid. Yeah. Y'all should be wanting another If Beale Street <laughs> Could Talk. Have you guys seen that one? Hey, y'all. Hey, everybody wanting Barry Jenkins to, to make Cyborg? Have you guys seen If Beale Street Could Talk? It's probably playing in your theater right it. now. I saw it yesterday. It was fucking excellent. Go watch that. Fuck you doing? I don't want to see what Barry Jenkins' Cyborg's third act fucking fight scene against another Cyborg, but a little bit different in color scheme, looks like. I do not need that in my life. We just don't need a cyborg movie. I'm going to be honest. Not a very popular character. Make Teen Titans, I guess. And not the TV show. I heard people like the Teen Titans movie that they made, the cartoon one. Oh, yeah. I want to see that. Now, that's that's a whole other situation. That's something I'll that's, see. I want to see that. That's just like Lego Batman, where they it's very meta and mocks, like, makes a ton of jokes. I would love it. There are definitely people at Talk Film Society who have seen it and said it's one of the best superhero films of the year. I think they should only ever make animated superhero movies from here on out. Yeah. Spider-Man to the Spider-Verse, Lego Batman movie, yeah. Batman Mask of the Phantasm, uh, Teen Titans Go to the Movies. I'm just going to add that one already because I'm sure it's good. <laughs> These are the best ones, y'all. So, final thoughts. Christopher Nolan is doing his own thing now. It's been a while since this movie came out. I don't think he's done anything exciting really in a while really for me i really enjoyed dunkirk in fact every time I, every time i think of dunkirk i want to immediately sit down and rewatch it i really enjoyed it i think it's a personal thing that i don't like dunkirk all that much that's fair i don't like watching grueling war films it's just a personal opinion it's not my genre like i just yeah that's a, that's totally fair depresses the shit out of me and i, I can't do it and so I don't blame him. And obviously people love that film. So, I mean, I was a very big fan of Inception. Mm -hmm. And that was all in this time period. You know, he's doing Batman. He did Inception. I was like, damn, this is probably one of my favorite directors. No matter what, I don't really blame Nolan for how messy this film got. I don't think there's really anyone to blame for this. I think because the ideas that were going to, that were supposed to be finished off from The Dark Knight could not happen anymore. That is simply why this film became what this is. I I think there was a lot of pressure to finish the Batman trilogy, and they just had to come up with something. I don't think anyone did a poor job. We didn't even talk about how good Kane is in this film. Oh, yeah. This is his movie, man. 100%. God, he crushes it every scene he's in. Just, like, heartbreaking He's how good he is. I would say, though, Christian Bale has always been, like, a like a cardboard cutout. He's not the worst Batman. He's really not. He's just very... He's not there. He's just not there. Yeah, exactly. He's just... And I think that's not too horrible for this film, though, because he is not the main character of his own... of these films. He's always, like, sharing it. Yeah. I, I think it's worked for this trilogy that's focused more on its villains and the surroundings. Um, he really is just kind of like a blank. He has a really good line in this when he's dancing with uh, Selena Kyle and she says, who are you pretending to be? And then he says that he's pretending to be Bruce Wayne, eccentric millionaire. I think that's great. That's true. But he I just wish I felt it when he delivered it. As a Bruce Wayne, though, I think he's playing this, this man who is disinterested with his life. He's only interested in, like, this pursuit that he started, like, being this, like, this hero. For, not even for the reason of being, like, liked as a hero, but just for the reason of being someone that can do something 
in the city. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel fake. It, it feels like he's just playing a person who doesn't isn't really all there and isn't really living a life. I kind of like it. It ends up feeling like Christian Bale doesn't really have to do all that much in these films. Except for dress up in the suit and make that weird voice. Where are the drugs? That's how he does it. Where's the trigger? I know you wouldn't give it to any regular citizen. <laughs> God. God help us. <laughs> oh, man. That's so good. He says something else like, get in the car. <laughs> it's not a car. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> This isn't a car. Yeah, good sick burn, Batman. Oh god. Yeah, worst uh worst of the Batman Nolan films, hundred percent. I I won't be told otherwise. And <laughs> one of the worst Christopher Nolan films. Still on a grand scale of all superhero films, I put it in the middle. It's not like top fifteen, but it's still solid. It's it's a well made film. It's just the the writing is sucks and uh the timing, like the the pacing, is trash. That's all it is. They just couldn't get to it. They needed to cut off like a good portion of the first part of it and put it all at the end. My hands are going like, cut this out, put it over here. The Dark Knight Rises has the same um, thing going for it as Spider Man Three, where neither of them are particularly good films. Um, they both have their issues, but they're both helmed by such singular directors that they somehow still end up being falling somewhere in the middle. In terms of superhero movie quality for me? I don't agree with you. Spider-Man 3 is on the bottom for me. No, no, no. <laughs> there's still there's still some something there. Listeners, go back to our Spider-Man 3 episode to listen go to Go to the beginning complain. and then listen to all of them all again. <laughs> you know, this doesn't have to stop here. Keep having fun with it. Go back again. Well, Alex, we recorded uh, 53 minutes and I think that's good. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's as much as we're going to do. Sometimes I feel like while we're recording this, we kind of fall into like a void. We're like, we forget about time itself. Yeah, we always hit a void and then I start to pay attention and I'm like, God damn it. I'm like, well, we're cutting this much out. (laughs) Yep, sure shit ain't going to be 53 minutes when it comes out. Listeners, we have no idea what our next episode is going to be about. Let us know. Let us know. Let's talk about it. Let's talk it out. We have some ideas that might uh, mix up the dynamic a little bit. I'm not going to say anything Ooh. out loud about that too much. I'm firing Alex. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. It's just going to be Sarah now. It's just me complaining. <laughs> I'm still going to be recording it with her. Like, I'll still be on the line because she likes having me on the line to complain to. But, like, I'm not yeah. going to be in the podcast. No. And if he says anything funny, I'm just going to repeat it and then put it in the podcast and say I said it. So, basically, the podcast we have now. <laughs> 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 I can say the same back, Alex. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Talk Film Society, for putting out our podcast. Thanks. Thank you, listeners, for listening. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and a happy new year. Let's make it a good one. We recorded this in 2018. <laughs> yeah, sure. I love lying. I would love if we started lying about what time of the year we recorded this. Yeah. Can it get more drastic until we're saying that we were recording it from, like, way in the future? Man, that was a great 4th of July we just had, right, Alex? Yeah, crazy. I can't believe Trump banned (laughs) ham. That's fucking crazy, huh? Anyway, um, I really did love uh, the new Avengers. Wasn't expecting... The guy from Willow to be in it. Willow was in it. Okay, any last words you want to talk about? Yeah. Last words. Um, any last words? Fuck the cops. Fuck, fuck the popo. Fuck the police. Yep. 
Fuck the police. That's how I treat them. Have a good night, everyone. Internal pressure is five Gs.